Welcome to Elephant in the Room, a podcast brought to you by the University of Calgary's Residence Education Team, where we discuss improving wellness for students by students, airing every fourth Monday of each month on CJSW. We are CAs, short for Community Ambassadors, which is a student leader living position within residence. Enjoy. Hi everyone, welcome to our second episode of the podcast of the year. Today we'll talk about self-advocacy. My name is Kim and I'm an accounting and economics student. Hi everyone, my name is Farah and I'm a fifth year uh, political science and international relations student. I'm uh, Kevin and I'm a third year general commerce major. And I'm Timmy, I'm a master's student in kinesiology. We'll be talking about self-advocacy and self-advocacy is described or defined as the ability to speak up for yourself and the things that are important to you. In a nutshell, self-advocacy means that you're able to ask for what you need and for what you want and to tell people your thoughts and feelings. And also means that you know your rights and responsibilities, you speak up for your rights, and you're able to make choices and decisions that affect your life. So that's kind of the definition, like according to this website that I'm on. Do we have any um, experiences that we want to share with um, people listening about us advocating for ourselves or advocating for other people or watching other people advocate for themselves? Well, Timmy, you you know I uh, had some self-advocacy there, and that's why I brought up the topic for the podcast, actually. Mm-hmm. So I was having, you know, roommate issues, always a good time, and so I had to send multiple emails, deal with CAs, because I knew, like, I couldn't exactly, like, I couldn't do everything, mm-hmm. which I think is an important thing of self-advocacy, is, like, knowing when you're limited, mm-hmm. but also going to as much as you can. Yeah, I think, like, um, again, another website, the first step of, like, advocating for yourself is knowing what you want. And, like, doing your homework is step two. And step three three is, like, starting small. And so, like, you definitely, like, you knew what you want. Like, you were in this um, terrible situation, it seems like. And so you wanted a resolution. And you went up to everybody that would hear you, and you pleaded your cause. And um, just, do you know, um, do you want to share how it worked out? Well, I I moved to a different room. Mm -hmm. So that was something. And I... I found out within like three or four days, even though it was like a long weekend. So normally they take like two weeks. So like, I think just by like going like added and added that Mm -hmm. it sped up the process and like helped my mental health there. For sure. And I think um, this just brings me back to like living on res. I feel like it's so important to kind of get yourself to have those experiences and really speak up for yourself because it's like one of the first times that you're not living with your parents um, and I'm really glad that it worked out and that you're in a new room. Um, I do actually have a story. I think for me, one of the best advices that I ever got was within yourself, there's an inner mentor and an inner critic. So um, mm. when you talk to yourself, you really need to talk as if the inner mentor is talking to you and not the critic. Um, so when you imagine your inner mentor, it's like who you want to be in five years. How do you see yourself? What's the job that you're doing? How do you look and how do you like present yourself in society? And I think when you, like, look at yourself from that perspective, you really learn to talk to yourself with kindness, but you also learn to um, ask for what is right for you, right? And I found that that was a really helpful advice that I got uh, when I was doing my co-op term, and my manager gave me that advice, and it really helped me to kind of say what I wanted to experience in my work term and really helped me to kind of tone down the negative self-talk that was coming from my inner critic. So yeah, I think that's important for self-advocacy too, is to have a vision of like how you want to present yourself. 
Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah, I think for students that like self-critic is like your default, like kind of mental state when, when you're coming out of high school into your first, second year of uni is you're just, you don't know what to do. So you look at all your mistakes instead of looking where you can be in five years, right? For sure. Yeah. And I think it's such a big thing nowadays to have like self-deprecating humor to kind of cover up mistake as opposed <laughs> to like looking at it with compassion for yourself, right? And I know we're all kind of guilty of it. <laughs> we all Absolutely. have that look on our faces right now where you're like, oh, we do that. But um, I think it's important to like remember to approach yourself with kindness too. Yeah, and that definitely like revolves around like one's self-esteem. And it's kind of by, uh, defined here as like one's overall opinion of themselves. And so like if I think, look, if I was to look in the mirror and I only see my blemishes, then um, my day is going to be horrible because I'm only going to be thinking about the negative sides of, of who I am and what I, what I look like and what I do and et cetera. Yeah, like on the topic of self-advocacy, going back to that, um, I had a, a situation a couple of years ago with like grades and um, an exam. And um, yeah, I went to the professor, I went to the faculty dean, and I also went to the ombuds person because I felt I was mistreated. Because um, I felt oh, I was wow. mistreated in the exam. Like, um, I didn't work out as well as your situation did, Kevin. So, like, mm. I mean, I did try my best and I did, like, go all the way, as, take it as, as high as I could take it. But unfortunately, it did not work out in my, in my favor. But I definitely learned some, some positive skills of, like, how to have those tough conversations. Because it can be hard to um, basically sell yourself and, like, I... Um, maybe not deserve, maybe not have earned, but I, I want this to happen for myself. I want to be mm-hmm. given a fair shot. I want to move my room because of this. I want to get the mark that I feel like I've earned by studying like tire- countless hours for this exam. Um, but yeah, it just didn't work out for me. But I know that um, also like accepting failure um, is also a hard thing in terms of like self-doubt mm-hmm. and self-advocacy and self-esteem. And- Absolutely. So I feel like coming to Canada was the first time that I've been exposed to like learning about advocating for myself more and speaking up for my rights and responsibilities. You know, I feel like growing up as a kid, especially, you know, back in the Philippines, for example, and how we're often expected to respect our elders. And I feel like that brings such a huge influence in our upbringing in terms of like not being able to speak up for ourselves, especially for a lot of immigrant households, I imagine. And so for me, my experience with self-advocacy, similar to what Farah mentioned, I kind of had to like reframe myself to think that, you know, I do have to recognize that I also have to speak up for myself, that I should treat myself better and like knowing what my responsibilities and what my rights are, especially identifying what my needs are. I feel like growing up, it's easier for us to find ourselves lost and not necessarily fully understand who we are and what our needs are. And so I think to our experiences that we accumulate over time, even just going to university or educational experiences or sports, you know, that teaches us more about what our needs are and what we want in order to be better self-advocate for ourselves. So for me, one of my early experiences for advocating for myself was when I was in high school, I started getting more involved with sports and did badminton, cross country, and track and field. And at that time, I felt guilty about, you know, joining any sports club because they cost money. And I didn't want to burden my parents, for example, financially to pay for my extracurriculars because uh, I felt guilty spending money, you know, instead of, like, buying food for my family, for example. And so, you know, after, like, surrounding myself with 
supportive friends and mentors like Farah mentioned, or even just like teachers, it made me think differently about not neglecting my needs more and like speaking up for what I wanted to do. Because I feel like growing up, I've always wanted to try many different things from learning instruments, learning the violin, but it's just I always felt guilty. And so reframing that mindset of like understanding um, what I need more um, and what I'd like to do and being able to speak up for my parents, for example, was like a huge step for me to understand, you know, how I should be better advocate for myself, even at a young age. Yeah, I think that story it is. Thank you for sharing that, but it really shows how and I come from an immigrant family, too. And I think like growing up, we're kind of taught to be like part of the unit and like mm -hmm. do everything for the benefit of your family. So I think when you're kind of in like a, your teenage um, or coming into university, it's hard to kind of like think of yourself as an individual person. And like, you're like, okay, I'm the one who's looking out for my needs now. I'm not looking out for like what my sister needs or what like my parents think is best for us. It's me for myself. And I think just like shifting into that mindset is hard. And like, I do think like, like if right now you're having a hard time advocating for yourself like put yourself in those uncomfortable situations mm -hmm. like whether it be like moving out getting a job or even like volunteering somewhere that you thought you wouldn't and I think that's really important to like expose yourself to those situations to get that practice in mm -hmm. absolutely well you know it is self-advocacy but what I found is it's not alone advocacy like mm -hmm. once you get that ball rolling like say you fight like you're fighting a grade with a professor and they they you go to the TA first, you know, and then that TA can go advocate for you. Like, it's not, it's not you're alone there. You just have to start it by yourself a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like, you just have to kick the snowball down the hill and watch where it rolls. That's so true. What was, like, one of the first moments where you all felt like you had to advocate for yourself? Because I feel like one part of self-advocacy is, like, recognizing your own needs and what you want. And I feel like that's, like, a struggle for a lot of people, too, to understand you know, initially, you know, what do I want for myself? I don't know. Well, it's like I can I, I always think in reverse chronological order. So like mm -hmm. the most recent one was, you know, the res room and having to move that. But then it's advocating for like grades and then it just keeps going back and back. And I can't remember when I first started, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. I just I remember the like feelings of when like I don't remember the story, but I remember like the, the like guilt almost of doing it because like you're speaking up for yourself like you're voicing mm -hmm. your opinion over others like that just feels wrong at least for me <laughs> i don't know but you, mm -hmm. like that it's just that weird thing it's to uncomfortable do. right yeah, yeah. It, it's yeah it just feels like you shouldn't do it but you know you should mm -hmm. and then it's just like brain over heart and it's like mm -hmm. like with the res room i was dealing with it for months but i was like oh it'll get better it'll be fine and then finally i just like just couldn't anymore like, and I think that's what happens with a lot of, like, beginning, like, self-advocacy is you just, like, get to a point where you can't deal with it anymore. There's, like, many different, like, spots where we can advocate for ourselves. It is, like, within the home and to our parents, at work, um, at schools, um, in the hospital, at shops, etc. And so, like, to pinpoint the first one would be, like, like the first major one that would probably be easier to, um, than to pinpoint the first one overall. Um, but yeah, like like you said, Calvin, it kind of um, there's a straw that breaks camel's camel's back, and that like it becomes too much. And then it needs to be like I need to speak up for myself, or else like everything else will start suffering—the mental health, the physical health, 
and the other dimensions of all this will like um, start taking a negative toll because of the whatever situation yeah for sure i'm curious like how did you feel because you said it feels uncomfortable while you do it but like afterwards do you feel relief or absolutely yeah. it feels amazing afterwards yeah. it's just it, it to me i always equate it to like working out it's like oh i gotta go to the gym you know like oh, mm-hmm. i gotta put in the effort but then afterwards for some reason you just feel amazing after working out like that's true and you know it's good for you and then it's like why didn't i do this before it's Mm -hmm. and then and then you start doing it more often and then it's just that's that's how i see it that's true Mm -hmm. nice you brought up a great point earlier about you know when you did have that issue with your roommate that you reached out you know to the cas and started emailing different people and i feel like that's the second part of like self-advocacy is knowing the resources that you have and like you know doing your own homework to see you know, what can you access now to help you with getting what you want? And I feel like, you know, that's important for us to, like, recognize that we're not alone in this process. Going back to your main point earlier with self-advocacy not being alone is that, you know, first we just need to recognize what we want and then be able to figure out how can we achieve that goal and surround ourselves with the right resources to access that. I can share a story of um, how or when I first started advocating for myself. Um, So I started working pretty young when I was 14. I started working at McDonald's. And I think that really helped me to kind of realize like, oh, you know, this is not right. You know, things happening at the store. And like, I don't deserve to be treated this way. And uh, I think, you know, there were points of me that just wanted to sometimes like quit. But um, I, like, brought up the issues to my manager, the general manager, and I ended up working there for two years. And I think it really helped me to advocate for myself, like, working those retail or fast food jobs. That was an important experience for me. It's good that you brought that up because I feel like one of the best ways we can better understand ourselves and know what our needs are and what we want is by experience, you know, by doing, like you mentioned earlier, like, you know, exposing ourselves to new experiences that may be uncomfortable and figuring out, you know, if it's something that we later on enjoy or actually do not like. Exactly, yeah. And I feel like, you know, even like looking at my university experience, that's something that I have advocated for myself going into university, like being able to go on like my own personal development journey and figure out what my wants and my needs are. I remember in my first year, for example, I joined over 20 clubs on campus And, you know, balancing that with, like, full academics was a nightmare to experience, mainly because I had to make sure that I had the discipline to, like, be able to study, commit to my classes, and almost have it as a full-time job from studying and attending classes 9 to 5, whereas I tried to, like, attend various club events um, afterwards. But one thing that I learned the most by, you know, attending all these clubs it was that it gave me a better idea of what my interests are and also exposed me to various people, uh, various peers and friends that, you know, like we talked about self-advocacy too, is finding mentors or like-minded individuals that can help us in our journey. And so for me, that was like a great experience despite, you know, this challenge of balancing and overcommitting to multiple extracurriculars. On that note, I just have a question for you, Kim. Uh, knowing what you do now and um, what you did then, would you do it again? Would you join as many clubs and be that involved with 
um, extracurriculars as well as balancing the academic life? Well, definitely not. Because that's the thing, right? If I know what I wanted now, then I'd be more certain of what extracurriculars I want to get myself involved in. It goes back to like quality over quantity. And I feel like I did have to experience that point where I just had to like join over 20 clubs to know and better understand myself in that process. But knowing what I know now in terms of like, you know, for example, my interest with being able to advocate for mental health, with poverty alleviation and financial literacy, I would be more specific with extracurriculars that I would involve myself in, um, in participating in those various clubs. Don't get me wrong, I do like participating in, you know, I remember in my first year I joined the aquaponics club, gardening club, and the law club in grad school when I was an undergrad, just to like expose myself to these various experiences. However, knowing what I know now, you know, it's not something that I necessarily would want to do in the future per se. And so I'd say that experience taught me a lot about focusing on quality experience, interests, and passion over quantity. That's really insightful, yeah. I would have thought that your answer would have been yes, that you would do it again because of everything that it taught you. But I guess the, um, yeah, I guess the opposite side is to know that you already know at this point in time, in 2021 when we're recording this, you already know kind of where your passions lay. And mm -hmm. so instead of um, joining a lot, a lot in numbers, so a big quantity of clubs, you'd like narrow that down and pick uh, based on what your, your passions are and everything else regarding that. Yeah, like I think that speaks to a bigger like self-advocacy topic of just knowing what you want, right? Like I'm, mm -hmm. I'm one of those people that wakes up at 4 a.m. That's impressive. It, oh, <laughs> it's awful. But like I, it started... When do you go to bed? <laughs> <laughs> See, that's where I'm going with this, Timmy. <laughs> I, I'm in bed like 9, 9.30. Like I'm mm -hmm. out, right? And um, w w what do most university students do on like a weekend night, you know? They're up till 2 a.m. and I I have to advocate with myself to like for my friends like be like mm -hmm. okay I'm act, I can't go out I I got studying to do like it's gonna mess me up for the whole week if I go out tonight and that that I think is the hardest part of self advocacy not mm. advocating like up a level but like to your peers like like to people that you're friends with mm -hmm. like that that that's always difficult for me still like sometimes I get dragged out and hop on the seat <laughs> yeah. and head downtown you know that's it just happens. Mm. Yeah. It's great that you pointed out because I feel like part of self-advocacy too is like setting those boundaries, especially, you know, with yourself and with others, like being able to navigate that. And, you know, like you mentioned earlier too, like I feel like once you get to know yourself more, part of like maturity too is like being able to uphold those boundaries and standards for yourself. For sure. And I think like what you said, Kevin, like I so agree, like, I still have so much issue. Like, I know setting boundaries is important. Am I good at it? I'm not. <laughs> so it's hard. I think when you're talking to someone who's, like, above you or someone that you don't know that well, it's more like, okay, like, this is right for me. It's easier to do that as opposed to saying no to a friend. Or, you know, like, even, like, if I'm talking to people who are, like, working with me in the same level and if I need to tell them to, like, pick up their slack, like, it's hard to do that versus telling your boss, like, this is not working out, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, I think I think that, I don't know about in like different faculties, but I know in business, we always do like peer evaluations. And I don't know about <laughs> you guys, but that's like, I, I hate peer evaluations because like, mm -hmm. oh, they're nice. Like I can't, I can't <laughs> give them a two out of five. Like, so yeah, like it's hard to do it. 
it's kind of like um brings a question to my mind i feel like i hear this from a lot of business majors is when there's like group assignments and group papers like you folks have that a lot as opposed to in arts like we don't really have a lot of those so um like a lot of the times their experiences they find that they're doing most of the work or the other person doesn't contribute so like how do you deal with those situations (laughs) self-advocacy well they they, in business they give us a lot of recourse for like you can file like there's like you can file complaints and if like two out of the four group members Mm -hmm. complain about the person they get removed or no way stuff like that and then they have to do the assignment by themselves or there is the peer evaluations though i don't know how like effective those are Mm -hmm. and i mean i haven't taken many like i've taken some classes in business but a lot of mine have been non-business okay i see so yeah it and it's different in each class with different professors like there's certain professors that i feel comfortable just walking into their office and being like hey can we do something about this? Yeah. But then there's other like other professors that I'd go, I don't know how they'd take this. That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. See, it's interesting because I do hear a lot of my peers too and how oftentimes it's common for a lot of business majors to have like a bad group experience, whether that would be working for a report or like a group presentation, especially because we do a lot of group assignments in our program. I find that one thing that made me experience a lot of positive group experience was taking the lead and action of like setting up the expectations for the group and for the team. I learned in my first year of university from a course that we took called Strategic Global Management about, you know, the importance of being able to work together and like self-advocating for yourself, like what Kevin mentioned. And part of like working in a team, especially if you're like more than four people, was like, you know, delegating the task and setting up clear expectations about what each everyone has to do. And I feel like learning that lesson for me made me consider that, you know, if I want to get a great grade, I have to make the effort and take the initiative to like lead and set these expectations because not everyone, you know, would be comfortable with taking the leadership position in making sure that, you know, in group presentations or group works, uh, that, you would delegate tasks to people. Groups always need like a person with like those um, um, set of skills. And then like the contrast and the clash may happen when like if a group is made up of people who are who have those type of personalities that um, uh, want to, um, like, like you said, delegate tasks and everything. Because some people may be more more OK with being told what to do. And some people may be uh, better off telling people that this is what we need to do to have success as a group. And so, like, have you ever had any, like, conflicts with that in that area or with different uh, personality styles clashing? Oh, absolutely. Even, you know, I feel like in residence, right, like, that's quite common as well, whether that would be roommates or working um, situations. But one thing that I learned from the courses that I took in business, I took over the summer, I actually took, like, a leadership expedition course where we had to do a six six-day, five-night backpacking course in the wilderness was understanding that each of us have our own different styles of uh, being integrated in a team, different roles, whether you're someone who's like a warrior, a diplomat, an engineer, or, you know, a poet. Like, these positions are, you know, metaphorical for positions that we often take into in a group setting. And basically what my professor highlighted was recognizing that in a team-based settings, each of us have our own agenda, our own needs. However, 
it's always important to focus on resolving task-based conflict and not make it turn into an interpersonal conflict. And I feel like a lot of the time, especially when we don't necessarily know our group members, our peers, you know, in a deeper level, that it's easier for us to like take into account our differences and take that personal, whether if they're not taking their workload properly. And, you know, we don't know whether they are experiencing perhaps some personal problems in their lives. And so I think being able to distinguish that makes such a huge difference, whether you're working or living with a roommate or even just hanging out with your friends, playing games. Exactly. I feel like the use of like I statements are so like powerful in terms of communicating your feelings and your emotions and things that you notice and like advocating for yourself in either, all the different situations that you pointed out. Um, so would you all like have any advice from what you had uh, you've experienced in terms of advocating for yourself to give to our listeners? Um, I guess I have a couple of things to say again. Um, visualize yourself in five years and have that inner mentor ready to go when that negative self-talk comes in. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is you, and I think it kind of like touches on what Kim was saying about taking the lead. Um, because like when you're doing that, you're kind of telling everyone like, I value this project and I want this to be done. You're really kind of setting the expectations of how others treat you by how you treat yourself. So when you mm-hmm. like show them this is important to me, um, like, I don't know if I, if they see like I value like this project getting done, they wouldn't be like, oh, like Farah thinks that it's okay. She doesn't care. Like I can't hand this in like five minutes later. Treat yourself right and set that expectation. And yeah, like just imagine your inner inner mentor and yeah, like I think I think the biggest like underminer of self advocacy is imposter syndrome, which we do have a definition here, which I can mm-hmm. read. It's a psychological pattern in which an individual doubts their skills, talents, or accomplishments and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a quote-unquote fraud, mm-hmm. right? So, like, if you're not con- – like, you can be the most knowledgeable person in finance, but if you get a group member who, like, is loud, boisterous, like, they, like, are just that, like, dominating personality, then you might not be, like, feel comfortable advocating for yourself because, mm-hmm. oh, maybe I don't know this. Like, I've no, I know I've experienced that where I'm like – I'm sure I'm right, but, like, I might be wrong, and I'm not going to, like, voice my opinion mm-hmm. or anything on group projects specifically and stuff like that. It definitely plants a seed of doubt, right, especially when you feel like other people can do a better job than you. And I feel like that's something I've experienced, you know, like, involving myself in various extracurricular clubs and peer helper positions and volunteering positions is that, like, throughout those time, like, for me as an introvert, You know, I felt like I needed to always be extroverted in different roles. And, for example, even when I was coaching for Special Olympics, you know, people had to look up to me in terms of, like, setting up what the agenda, the plan, the training regimen is throughout this program. And I find that, you know, it puts me in a role that I don't necessarily see myself more of, but it's those opportunities that, allowed me to challenge myself, my own framework, and my own idea of imposter syndrome in thinking that, you know, after overcoming those experiences, that I can do that. I'm capable of speaking up for myself, and I can be more extroverted if need be, and I can speak up for myself. I feel like one of the greatest lessons I learned from those experiences is ultimately being able to understand that 
you know, we're all living our own different timelines. And despite where we are in terms of like our own well-being or our own personal growth, at the end of the day, being open to new experiences can lead us to better growth and development for ourselves. And I think just having the mindset of the adopting a growth mindset and being able to be more intentional with our own lives puts us ahead of where we were in the past. Yeah, I feel like that's some some great words of like knowledge all shared by um, by you three and um, your feelings and your fears and your doubts are all valid. Um, your CAs are always here. CAs are community ambassadors within residence. Other people as well, RLCs, and everyone within the residence education team, we are all here for uh, for you as residents and students and to find your resources because, as was said earlier, um, although it's self-advocacy, it's not alone advocacy. See you on the next one. Thank you for listening to Elephant in the Room, brought to you by your wellness CAs. These conversations are sparked by students in residence. If you have any questions or suggestions, you can reach us at our Instagram at wellnessinres with an S or email us at wellnessinres at ucalgary.ca. Stay well, UCalgary!